Today we want to take up, I think, something that is extremely important and something that is missing so much among believers. What should cause a believer to rejoice? In Acts 15.3, says, Paul and Barnabas sent out on a journey, and they journeyed to Jerusalem. They went through Phoenicia, they uh, went also through Samaria, and um, they told the whole story how non-Jewish people were turning to God. What was their response? Was it, oh, that's nice, or it's about time? What if you had a friend that came into a lot of unexpected inheritance or money? You would probably be happy and rejoice. But if a person told you that, oh, they had an opportunity to lead a person to Christ, what would be your response? Oh, that's nice. Oh, I want to give you an illustration. <clears throat> when I pastored my very first church, we've talked about it before, it was up high in the mountains of California, and the whole community there, which was only 400 and some people, and that went for quite a few miles, different directions, because uh, cattle ranches uh, cover a lot of territory, and of course, so does the forests that were being logged. And uh, the first person that re came to Christ, now you have to understand in that particular community that unbelievers did not come to the church. The only time an unbeliever husband was drugged to the church was when uh, his kids were in an Easter program or a Christian uh, Christmas program. But when guys wanted to talk about God, uh, they would seek me out at night at my house. Uh, they didn't want to be, they wouldn't even park by the church. They parked away and walked. Because <clears throat> if you went to church, the other loggers, the other cowboys, and people would expect you to act like a Christian. And of course they weren't, and they were not about to be uh, identified with the church if they didn't know the Lord. Didn't know the Lord. And the first person that came to Christ was a young man, about 20. He had come to that community to live with a family. He was sort of like a foster child. And uh, he came when he was about 12, and he started drinking at 13. And he told me the longest time he'd been sober was three months. Uh, he even had liquor at school that he would drink. And of course, he was not a good influence on other students, and he had a, really a bad reputation. He was uh, really a nice guy, but uh, didn't know the Lord, and why would he live like he did know the Lord? Well, when he accepted the Lord in our home, and we always told him, then you need to go to church Sunday, and at the end, I'll give an invitation so that you can declare your faith, and I want you to walk forward, and that you are going to identify now with the Lord Jesus Christ, in his way of life. Well, after the service, I was amazed at the response of the people. A lot of them said, well, I hope he means it. You know, he's been such a troublemaker in school and such a troublemaker with some of the other young people. Uh, 
We just hope you made it. Mean meant it. Um, and then about some time later, uh, there was a very mean logger. And I mean mean, rough character. Uh, and he was a very heavy drinker. And he was always causing trouble in the bar. We only had one bar in that little town. They refused to let him go there. So he would take his liquor, go on a logging road somewhere, and get really drunk. One night he came home. His wife was so sick of it, she locked the door. He pulled out a gun and shot the lock off. Now, we were a hundred miles one way from police, so there was nobody there to do anything about it. And he told his wife, don't ever do that again. And, of course, she never did it again. I don't know if they repaired the door or what. But that's how mean this guy was. And one night, <clears throat> oh, going back a little bit, there was a fellow that lived across the street from the church in a little town. And he got his life right with the Lord. I had no idea he was a Christian because he was hanging out the bar every night after he got through working at the lumber mill. Uh, but he was, and he said, you know, every time I sat in that bar, the Holy Spirit would convict me, like, what are you doing here? Now, here you are, you're a Christian. What are you doing sitting in here? And his kids were coming to church, his wife was coming, and he decided to get his life right with God. Now, you have to realize that the people, when they witnessed, were not sweet, kind, Romans Road, passing tracks. That's not what they did. But this uh, young husband was the uh, fellow that kept the mill running. They're called millwrights. And when guys would bring their truckloads of logs to drop in the pond that would go up eventually in the mill and be sawed up, he would jump on the truck and say, are you going to heaven or hell? And uh, that would be his opening statement. And they would listen to him because they really liked Ed. And he said, look at that burner there where they burned all the sawdust and all that stuff. He said, that's what's going to be like for you. You're going to burn in hell. So there was, uh, I think at that time, two saved men in that logging mill because these guys were rough, tumble, fighters. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've been around loggers, uh, but a lot of them are really rough characters. And uh, this guy, um, Ed had talked to him about burning in hell and all that stuff. Well, one night, way in the middle of the night, the guy got drunk on a logging road drove into town, <clears throat> parked in front of Ed's house, went up, knocked on the door about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Ed went to the door and says, what do you want? He said, I heard you walk the sawdust trail. And he said, what's that to you? He says, I need to do that. My life's a mess. So he came in the house, and Ed said, kneel by the couch. And he led him to Christ. And he said, okay, if you really mean this, you're going to have to go forward in church and I think it was Easter Sunday. It was sometime when the church was packed. And it was a little country church. And he walked forward to get saved. And the majority of the people said, because they knew his reputation of being so mean and, and just nasty guy, they said, I hope he means it. But that's a shame. That is really, really a shame. You know, we can rejoice when someone gets a lot of money 
or something really good happens. But what were the believers' response to Paul and Barnabas' story? He said there was great joy came to all the believers. They rejoiced in the Jewish people coming to Christ. So what would bring you greatest joy? Hearing uh, of someone getting a lot of money, uh, receiving an inheritance, uh, or who knows, coming into a lot of money, or a person turning to Christ. Your response to that is very, very revealing. It reveals our values. If you rejo rejoice greater over uh, great things happening to somebody, then that realizes that you're living on the value of the world called temporal values. But if you would rejoice as they did in Scripture, it shows that you are really a born-again believer that loves the Lord and has a burden for the lost. It's interesting what happens in heaven when someone is saved. Jesus said, I guarantee that there will be more happiness or rejoicing in heaven over one person who turns to God. See, does my response when someone gets saved at church or our friend of yours leads someone to Christ, does your response of a lack of joy, it really indicates my heart is cooling off with a burden for the loss. And you have to realize this. The Bible says that if a person is not a Christian, he is in the hand of Satan. It says it in the Psalms. And when a person becomes a believer, he's taken out of the hand of Satan and put into the hand of Christ, and his eternal future is secure. We actually cause us to have great rejoicing. I'd like a, a, a church to have a rejoicing service when someone got sa saved. You know, if the angels are having a party in heaven, <laughs> I've never heard of a church that threw a big party afterwards when someone came to Christ. Luke 10, 18-21, Jesus said something that was very significant. Jesus said, he's talking to the disciples, I gave you authority over the spirit world. As great as that is, but rejoice when your name or someone else's name is written in heaven. See, the authority that God has given us, and we have to exercise that here in our kind of a ministry, is wonderful. But what's really wonderful is when people who come, who thought they were saved and they were not, you know, they, they went to church or they did good stuff, so they figured they were a Christian. When they receive Christ, what a joy it gives in our heart that we knew that we snatched them out of the hand of Satan and they were placed in the hand of Christ. If your heart has cooled towards the lost, 
Maybe your church has cooled toward the lost. There are some wonderful churches, Bible churches, uh, churches that are conservative, uh, Bible preaching churches that no longer give people an opportunity except Christ the church. They're no longer teaching people how to bring a lost person to Christ. And that is sad. What would happen in your church if someone came to Christ? Would the congregation be saying, hallelujah, praise God? Uh, would there be great rejoicing? Or that's nice. I'm afraid in a lot of churches where we live, first of all, an opportunity to come to Christ probably wouldn't be given very often, if at all. That's a lot of the churches that are Bible-oriented. And that's not good. And if the church, your church, is not, then I would ask God to stir your heart to see the condition of the unbelievers. The, the answer to the problems we're facing as a nation in the United States of America the solution is that people would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and their values would change. Their lifestyles would change. And that's what happened with the great revivals that have swept Europe, in America, in Africa, in the Pacific, these great revivals. Uh, people got their lives right with God, and there was a major change in the culture, in their city, or whatever. And we need to see that today. The world desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. So many people are going to hell, and they don't even know it. Ask the Lord to rekindle your love for lost people. And he will bless you. And he will give you opportunities to share your faith as you go through the day.